break 80 faithful we have a special guest joining us on the pod professional golfer daniel gale is kind enough to chat with us from what some people would call down down under yes he is australian and our first aussie to be exact on this podcast um daniel got on our radar when he fired a course record 60 at the monday 3m qualifier held here in minnesota at victory links he's also recently won for the second time on the pga tour of let me see if I get this right, Australasia, which I'm excited to talk to him about as well. Um, this kind of feels weird saying this since it's evening here in the U.S., but uh, good morning to you, Daniel. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me on, Jeff. Well, I do want to start with your amazing golf that you've been playing, but I have to ask um, something that you can maybe confirm or at least back check. Uh, my wife, now probably five years ago, was a surrogate to an Australian family. And, uh, you know, we were pretty close with them. We probably chat with them every two months or something like that to check in and see how things are going. And and from what I can gather from this family, at least from the dad, is that uh, Australians like their beer and their soccer. Is this true? Oh, we really like our soccer at the moment because the, um, the Matildas went well, uh, the, the female soccer team in the in the World Cup. So it, Australia really got behind it. I, I'd say more our... We definitely like our beers. Uh, I'd say rugby league and AFL, Aussie rules football. We really love that, probably more so than soccer. We do love soccer, but um, those would be the the two main ones I'd say. Okay. Did you did you get into any of those? Uh, I actually started playing soccer when I was like a six or six year old, maybe. That was my first sport that I played, um, other than like baseball and t ball, um, and then. Then I progressed to Aussie rules football. Um, parents wouldn't let me play rugby league at the time because uh, a bit too a bit too rough, like a few, a few too many concussions. Like you can still get a concussion in Aussie rules football, but you're more spread out the field like soccer in your positions and the ball gets spread around. Like you're not running straight into a pack of guys, uh, tackle after tackle. So um, it's a bit safer um, and a bit more fast paced, but. Yeah, I, I love all of it. You know what I mean? Like, um, yeah, like yeah. like Australians, they love their they love their sports. Uh, so let's talk about how you grew up and got into the game of soccer, like or, or excuse me, golf. How did golf become part of 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 your growing up? Um, was there an Australian golfer perhaps that maybe got you into the game? Uh, what kind of you know course did you maybe grow up playing? Just give us a little bit of background of that golf part of your um of your uh, childhood. Yeah, um, so I started, um, as as I just mentioned, like I was a pretty sporty kid growing up. I got two older brothers. So uh, mum and dad, mum used to play when she was younger. She was really good. Um, could have gone professional. Um, she was definitely good enough too. But, um, uh, you know, I met my dad, had a family and kids and all that. So um, that was, and, and money in the women's game back then was not that great. So, yeah, she was – her and her family were the golfer side of our family and um, um, dad only really took it up when he met mum. So we – they joined a local club uh, called Fox Hills Golf Club. It's in Western Sydney. Um, so I'm in northwest Sydney. I'm in Castle Hill. Uh, that's where I live. And I play at the Castle Hill Country Club now. But um, grew up playing at Fox Hills. Um, I was about six – and a half probably when I started going down the driving range and stuff they were probably playing for about a year and I got the bug sort of straight away so when I was 
when I was probably seven, I was doing like the cadet clinics and they, all the other kids that there were no other, there was maybe one other kid that was like eight or nine. And then the rest of the kids were sort of like 11, 12, 13, like in that group. Um, I was the youngest and then did that for about a year and, you know, would go play holes of an afternoon. It was like maybe every sun, Saturday afternoon or Sunday afternoon um, and just got the bug. And then I wanted to join the club. And at the time you had to be 12 or 13. That was like the minimum age to become a junior member. And parents wrote a letter into the club um, saying, you know, we'll watch him and take full responsibility when he's there and all that. So they allowed me to join when I was eight years old, which I'm pretty lucky. Like obviously it's not just, you know, the parents going through the process, the whole club has to go through the process. So, you know, they supported me as well. And, um, yeah, I was a member there for 10 years, did all my junior stuff. Um, it's just a, it's just a public course. Um, but, um, yeah, it was like, I mean, it definitely was no private course. And in terms as, as my golf career progressed and I got better and better, like, there was a bit of politics like in like sort of the state team stuff, like, cause I wasn't a member of a, a private course and I was at Fox Hills and, and all that. But I mean, it didn't matter. I, I put results on the board, but there was always that factor just because I wasn't at a really, really nice golf club. Like I, I wasn't getting picked for some certain things or, you know, it was like, it was like a, a what's the word? It was um a bit um, dampering on my, I guess, golf, you know what I mean? Like a little bit, but, um, yeah. Um, but I mean, I, I was supported very well by that club and, um, they got behind me. And then when I sort of turned 18, um, I just felt like I needed to join somewhere and progress elsewhere. So, um, I joined Castle country club, which is, it's actually close to the home and, um, they've, they've been awesome support, um, and gone behind me. It's just better, better golf course, uh, more, it's hosted a couple of professional events and um, uh, it's actually going to host one next year, which is going to be sick on the Aussie tour. So I'm really looking forward to that. And um, uh, yeah, just better facilities. And I was able to progress my game pretty, pretty quickly by playing there. And, um, and yeah, I mean, you know, I was, I was, I went back to Fox Hills the, the other day just to sort of say good day to the pros. Cause you know, they, they believed in me from the start and supported me and they're, they're all still behind me, which is pretty cool. I've still got a good relationship with them. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, it's still a good fun track to go back and play. Um, is it, uh, is it, know, it's probably, it, yeah. Are those, are those courses, uh, you know, now that you've been over the States, are there, are they, are they a little bit different? Is it hard, rugged, you know, more rugged terrain? Is it more, you know, very, you know, they always talk about Australians having, you know, very good in the wind, very good short yeah. game you know around the around the greens is that something that you've noticed now that you've been I, over here? I want to I, I want to say like the pub like the difference between so like the public track so like victory links for example like the condition of that is just outstanding like there is you might I I mean it's a big statement I'm about to make here but like okay. you will not find you will not find one public golf course in as good condition as victory links like out in the country I, I won't lie you'll get you'll get some really really good condition country courses which are public tracks um but around sydney like just because of obviously all the 
all the people that are able to play because like getting on a private course over here it's it's kind of similar to um america like you need to know someone or like right. it's super pricey or whatever so like the condition and just the golf like you you want the layouts are probably we've got some really good public layouts but in terms of condition it, you won't find anything it's just yeah a bit more rugged um um probably got a lot more dinky holes like um just you know like you'll play some public tracks and it's like you got to like really cut it over high trees or something like that which which i'm sure i'm sure there's some public tracks in america which which have that but like the public courses i've played are, are like and like obviously like through the monday qualifiers and stuff and like like they're so so much better like like they're good enough to be private courses here like really? they re- they re- they really are and then like the private courses over in america are like they're like next level on, on we've got good private ones but like it's just like next level in america it really is do you think it's a lack of of some of it just the lack of water you know lack of rain and lack of it just dried out over there and it don't doesn't get as green um but, Potentially, um, like when we definitely had our droughts, like, I mean, we've had plenty of rain probably the last few years. So like, um, but we, ha- uh, I want to say when we had our droughts, we had water restrictions and stuff. So like obviously limited to, um, you know, watering the fairways and stuff, or you just do fairways and greens or whatever. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know what it is like. I think there's like I I don't know the the whole. It's probably just like I don't know. It's probably from what I've heard, like in terms of staff and green keeping and all of that. Yeah. It's I think it's more. It's cheaper in America, so they can hire more. Yeah. Um, and in Australia, like to get the amount of staff required to maintain it to that level is too expensive. I think. That makes sense. That makes that makes total sense. Well, we're kind of getting back to your game. Um, for those who have not seen you play, some would describe your swing as kind of a little bit of unorthodox, you know, not your typical, you know, somebody's trying to show and teach it. You know, it's got a little bit different look, you know, uniqueness to it, which is kind of cool too. Um, how about, yeah. can, is there anything you can kind of describe your swing and, and obviously why it works for you and what, you know, how, how you grew up uh, playing that style or that way? Yeah, I mean – Growing up, like, I mean, I played baseball. Um, like, I, I always had good, really, really good hand-eye coordination. And, like, like starting golf, like, I mean, I want to say I've never been – the only thing I've had natural is a hand-eye coordination, but I've never been, like, a natural golfer, you know. I mean, I've worked – had to work so hard. At, like, I didn't – when I started, I didn't have, you know, like some kids do, like that, that natural-looking golf swing, I guess. Um so I mean I've worked hard at it, um, but um, yeah, it's just it's just one of those things I guess. Um, I've understood the fundamentals of the golf swing and where, like you know, swing playing club face and all that, um, and that's that's pretty much all I try and sort of focus on. I, I try and get my swing as close enough to plane as I can, especially like. I have like three checkpoints. I have like waist high and then top of the swing and then coming down like, um, and, and then I've always sort of struggled with maintaining my posture in the golf swing. It's one thing I've always, 
I, I'm always going to work at. Um, you know, like I got a bit of head movement and all of that, um, and poppy movement. Um, but um, I mean, as long as I deliver the club in the in the slot, like on the downswing, and and you know, um, I'm in control of the club face, then the golf ball does the story there. So I know my little like things that. You know, if I miss a shot here or there, I know exactly what I do. Um, where, like, I'm I'm always striving for that, you know, slightly better mechanics here or there, um, and I'll always work at it. And there's going to be days and times where I'm, you know, like, uh, like a little tendency of mine is to get a bit slow on the backswing and then quick on the way down. Um, like, I'm, I am trying to smooth that out a little bit. <clears throat> um, and it's just a process. Uh, I've just got to keep working at it and... Um, you know, there's days where it feels really smooth and then days I have to really feel like I'm going super quick back. But it's not quick, if you know what I mean. Yeah, oh, for <laughs> um, sure. And it's gone. Yeah. yeah. Obviously, it clicked at, at Victory Links that one time and not in this past couple of weeks ago. I think it's now a couple – was it a week ago? Maybe two weeks ago? Uh, a week ago. week ago. Yeah, yeah it was last ago. week. Obviously, yeah. it worked yeah. then, right? So, you know it's there. Um, one of the other looks that you have that's it's pretty unique is you, you wear a, a yellow a bucket hat when you play and I want to know, kind of know the backstory of that. I know your fellow Australian, the uh, late um, Jerry Lyle used to also wear a yellow bucket hat. I'm just wondering if those things are connected or not. Yeah. So um, the, obviously Jared had a good um, presence in Australian golf and, you know, his cancer battle and the way he fought it. And, you know, he, uh, I think he was maybe 12 years old when he first thought it, I could be wrong. Um, and then, then it came back, he fought it again and then came back. And then I think it was the third time where he didn't make it through. But, um, yeah, he um, his battle and the way he was able to play professional golf at the highest level and then come back after even after the second time and play again, um, uh, you know, obviously impacted Australian golf at a high, you know, it, everyone was touched by his story. Um, so they would – he had a, has a foundation um, – uh, to support leukemia and it's, you know, wearing yellow hats, it's Luke the Duck and all that. Um, so, um, yeah, the Aussie Tour every year at a, a few events, um, at least two events, two or three events, they do a, it's the Australian PGA, they do it on the Saturday, they do a, oh, sorry, the Friday, it's a yellow day um, and all, so all the a lot of the fans get behind it. The players get behind it. Wear a yellow shirt, yellow hat. Like everything's all yellowed out, and um, you know everything goes towards his charity and cause. Um, so back in, I think the first time I experienced it, it probably would have been two thousand and eighteen, I think, and then two thousand yeah two thousand eighteen, and then two thousand nineteen. Um, stocked up on the hats um but i started wearing the bucket hat full time sort of end of 2020 i just went in for like a just a regular skin cancer checkup and then the guy was like oh like the top of your ears like i've got like pre-cancers on i need to burn them off and then like when he burned them off like oh it was so much so much pain and then like they were scabbed up for two three weeks or whatever and He's like, you can just fix this by just covering them, wearing a bucket hat. And I was just like, oh, okay, like as simple as that. So obviously still put sunscreen on, but, um, um, and then he, for my arms, obviously wear the sun sleeve. So 
Um, ever since that day, I've been wearing the sleeves full time and wearing the bucket hat. And I sort of started out with the yellow bucket hat and then it would fade a bit. And then, um, you know, I copped a bit of crap cause you know, if I, <laughs> I kept on wearing it and it faded and all that. And, um, yeah, but you know, it, it sort of gave me that signature, you know, like the, I, I've worn, you know, black, black sort of buckety hats. I've worn white ones. Um, you know, just to sort of match my outfit. But, I mean, yellow goes with pretty much – I can make it work with any colour. Like, a lot of people will say it doesn't, but, I mean, I don't care what other people think. I mean, and then from 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 a while away, like, when I'm on the golf course and I'm wearing that yellow bucket hat, like, I'm the only – pretty much the only one, other than those yellow days, I'm the only one wearing the yellow hat. So, anyone can spot me from a mile away. Like, it's kind of my signature. I wanted to do that thing to sort of stand out and – not too many people wear the bucket hats, but, you know, um, so that already made me stand out. But wearing the yellow one, that makes me stand out even more. 100%. Well, good for you. Um, You came over to America for, I think you said, around three months, which, you know, led you obviously down the road to qualifying for the 3M. I, I was curious on what was the original plan when you came over here? What was the, kind of the goal? Um, Did you have this grand plan that you were going to do when you came here? Or was it kind of on a whim? I'm just going to go check things out. What was the plan um, coming over here? Yeah, so um, uh, so when I first turned pro in 2018, I um, our Aussie season it sort of finishes in start of April. Um, we do a little wraparound season, but throughout our winter and your summer months, we got like a bit of a break uh, from tour events. Um, so there's there's still smallish pro am events running, um, but in terms of uh, tour events, which obviously count towards the actual order of merit and stuff. There's, there's not really any of them. There, there was one in Papua New Guinea when I was over in America this year. And then the second one was the Northern Territory one just gone last week. So, um, like I haven't missed a handful of events, which, which is obviously ideal, but that's sort of the time where I think it's a purposeful gap to allow us to come over and do some qualifiers and, um my sort of goal was to go over and and qualify for some stuff i started with us open local qualifying and and then i won that which got me into sectionals like i wanted to qualify for majors so us open and british open qualifying they were they were two big goals um and then outside of that like i've done corn ferry qualifiers in the past and i mean the good thing about them is i can enter them and get straight into the mondays where for pga tour stuff no matter what my status at the moment, like even as a Aussie tour winner, I still have to do the pre-qualifiers on like the week before the Wednesday to Friday. Um, so there's an extra step for those, but I don't mind doing those because the reward, you, like for, you're still going to sh- shoot, you still got to shoot the pretty much the same scores that you'd shoot for a corn ferry Monday. There's the same amount of spots as you do for a PGA tour Monday. So, and the benefits of getting into a PGA Tour event and obviously the prize purse and all that is a lot more rewarding than um, Corn Ferry. I mean, Corn Ferry would still be awesome. But, yeah, I I look at that picture after doing some qualifiers in 2018, 2019. um, And then I come over last year because COVID didn't allow it 2020, 2021. Um, So last year was sort of the first thing. yeah, I mean, to finally qualify for one at 3M last year and then to do it again this year, like, pretty pretty special. Like, I mean, 
Minnesota's got a, a place in my heart. It really does. Well, yeah, let's talk about that then. Um, you know, you, you, you came for the 3M qualifier this year and, and last year as well, how the victory links. First off, um, I want, and, and maybe our listeners would really want to know this. I know I do. I want to know when you play in these qualifiers, what, you know, you're traveling a long distance, basically put all your eggs into one round basket, right? Like you've got to find it for that one round. And what is the mindset like in a situation like that where, you know, a lot of tournaments you play in, you know, you just don't want to maybe shoot yourself out of it the first round, right? You're just trying to get your feet on the ground, have a solid round. Whereas this, it's like you got to go low or you're going home kind of a thing, right? So what what is your mindset going into these things, especially going into the one that you, you know, ultimately end up shooting 60 at? Yeah, so like I guess the mindset for sort of the pre-qualifiers is exactly what you said for like kind of tournament play. You don't you don't want to shoot yourself in the foot, you know what I mean? Like it's just you go out there, plot around, um, you play a solid round of golf and it's going to get in. Um, you don't want to throw that big number in. Where for the qualifiers, I mean, like, you know, obviously you, you, look, at, you look at the golf course, you know, majority of golf courses have got four par fives. So it's like every guy's going to birdie those. So like you got to, there's going to be select holes when you, when you play your practice rounds and all that. It's like, you got to go out there. Like this is one of the birdie holes. Like on the on the day of the Monday qualifier, you, like I personally am trying to make a birdie every single hole in my mind, and and attack the golf course that way. Um, and then I obviously construct a plan of how I'm going to do that. Like it's not so much hitting driver everywhere, and being, you know, it's just working out the best game plan for me for how I'm going to attack it. And um, but. I'm trying to birdie every single hole in one of those Monday qualifiers, but like there'll be, there's obviously strong holes out there um, at times. So you, realistically, you're not going to obviously, but you, it, I sort of set a plan in my head. It's like, you know, if you take down all the par fives and then there's going to be a, you know, at least a couple of wedge shots in here or there, you take down those holes. Um, and then like already you're at six under and then, you know, there's going to be a couple, couple hit more here or there. Like there's, if you can construct a plan, like, like I construct a plan like that and you know, it's not always going to happen that way. You're going to birdie the hardest hole on the golf course. You're going to eagle a par five here or there. Like, like things, things are going to happen, but um, as long as you take care of those, I guess, simple holes. Yeah. Um, then yeah, like, like it's definitely a more attacking mindset, but um yeah, you, it's just taking care of those and doing what you should do, um, and it will hopefully be good enough. <laughs> so, so what happens? I mean, you could. Oh, you, oh what, yeah. If you have one of those holes and you don't birdie, let's say, let's say you don't, let's say you miss like a eight footer, right? In your head, you're like, all right, I got to get one on one I was not supposed to get one on. It's like, how how did that mind game go from? No, um, no, it's just it just uh, so like at Victory Links, for example, I I didn't birdie the second like that's one of the easiest every guy every man his dogs making every man his dogs making birdie or eagle on that one and i hit driver seven iron just right had an easy little simple chip i left it five and a half feet short and i missed the five foot i like and after that it's just like it's just it's a, a little disheartening you know it's just like damn like like that's a big shot i've thrown away there um but um i mean it's you the thing is, like, you can't, you can't get it back, but you can go out and just 
try and birdie the next. Like yeah. it's not it's not so much like you try and because then you're trying to force it, and then when you try and force something, like it it never works. Um, so it's like it's okay, we didn't get that one. Let's get the next. Um, so that's sort of the way I go about it. Um, and and that comes with experience as well because obviously I've done a bunch of qualifiers now. And, you know, early on, it's like, ah, like you eat yourself up and it gets to you. Like it, it is a massive mental game. And, um, you know, it's obviously dealing with little things like that better that allows you to continue on and, and bounce back. Yeah. And it, what's what's funny enough, well, we'll talk about your heater on the back line here in a second. But when you said how you didn't birdie. So my co-host and I, we went out. Now, one of our co-hosts and I, we went out and played it on the Saturday of, of, of the 3M. So you played on Monday, we played on Saturday. We wanted to see what we could shoot, you know, after you, you piped in that, that 60. And ironically enough, the only hole that we birdied was number two. So I feel like <laughs> that's the one that you did. Well, you, so I feel pretty you, good you about be, the slugs there. You, be, you, be, you beat me on that. I, I eagled <laughs> it in the pre-qualifier and I eagled it in the practice round. And I, yeah, I gave it, gave it. Oh, it ate me up in the in the Monday queue, but you did beat me by seventeen shots, so you're you're fine, you're good. <laughs> Let's talk about that back nine. You you went on, you know, I think end up ultimately shooting a twenty eight. I think on that backside. Um, yeah, you might. I mean, at some point, I think I hear a lot about mental part of golf, where these where you get in kind of, and it's and it's more than just golf. It's been other sports, you know. It's been some uh, somebody shooting in basketball, somebody you know, in the quarterback where they just get in these blackout states where it's like, if I can get anywhere between anywhere inside 15 feet, I'm just, for whatever reason, no, I'm making it. Did you get into one of those, like where you'd almost go unconscious or was it just kind of, um, just kind of hitting a shot, talking with your caddy, smiling and going up, hitting another shot, talking, or were you just kind of in a zone is what they would say? Uh, something definitely clicked. Um, so I missed a couple of opportunities on the front nine. Um, I had a couple of like 12 foot looks, which I missed. And, you know, they, they weren't the easiest of putts, but it's like, you know, the way that victory links, the greens are so pure, like they really were. And as good as they get, it's like all the top guys that are playing today, they're going to be making those. So there was a couple of opportunities I missed where I was, uh, but I, I've got up and down from 48 yards on, on nine drained a nice, you know, five footer, wedged it close, nice five footer, birdied that and, you know, made the turn at three under and I'm like, it's good, but, you know, there's going to be, in my head, I'm like, there's going to be guys shooting four, five, sixes around that front nine probably um, with just how good the conditions were and and all of that. So I'm like, I just, it's like, it's a good, I just got to, I told my, like me and my caddy were both saying, it's like, I've got to, I've got to, you know, start heating up this back nine. And then on the 10th, I hit three iron pitching wedge. Straight, oh, sorry, three iron gap wedge straight over the pin. It was a bit deep. It was probably like 20, 20. It was like 22 feet, something like that, 23 feet. And it was like left to right. And I rolled that baby in dead center. And then the 11th hole, like, you know, 11, the par three. Yeah. Um, yep. That's a long one so for me. Tip, yeah, yeah. It was 190, it was like 192 meters, I want to say, something like that. Yeah. And the wind was like sort of into off the left, off the left, into a little bit. And the pin was cut way on the right side. Like those trees that cover the right edge of the green, it was yeah. like 
right on the edge of that. So like it was a bit awkward angle wise, just looking at that pin. Um, and that's a strong hole. So I'm pretty sure I hit off first in my group. And then I've hit this five iron that just like a little blip started just left of the pin and just, it just hung there. It was just such a pure strike. And I hit it to about 12 feet and then I rolled that in and like that was big. That was like a one and a half shot gain on the field with how strong that hole was playing. And um, that was that was the first time of the day where I was sort of like fist bumped and um, that got me to five under through 11. And last year when I qualified, I was five under through 11. So that's where the juices started flowing. Like we're on here. Like I, like I shot eight last year and... Um, I'm like, we're on here. Like, I'm in a good position. So, obviously, 12 par 5, I sort of – I hit it right down the – it was sort of like sort of like a speed slot. Um, it was a bit dry down that right side, so I got a bit of extra meterage. And then I had 3-wood in. I was in between 3-wood and 3-iron, and then last year I blocked the 3-wood right. I actually lost ball and I made bogey. And that really wasn't in my thoughts, but I've just tugged it left over the hill, left of the green, and it was dry, so it's kicked off into that little penalty area, the thick yep. stuff. Yep. And was looking for it, looking for it, and yeah, you know, it's nearly knee high. Like it, it's ha- it's halfway up the shin with how high it is. And found it, and it wasn't pretty. Like I'm like I looked at my caddy, I'm like, just give me fifty four, and I'll try and just hack this out. Like I had thirty three yards to the pin, like, and obviously going up that hill, and you got rough, like. Like my main goal was just to hack it onto the green. I've taken a full swipe at it and got it onto the green to about forty feet, and then I rolled that in for birdie. Like that was like so. That was like so big because that got me to six through twelve and two shots better than the position I was last year. I'm like, like, so I've, I've obviously I've held a putt there on putts on nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Like that one on twelve was ridiculous, and then thirteen hit a good tee shot. Nine iron. There was a back, middle-ish back left pin, middle-ish left pin, and I, I played it a safe, aggressive line, just 15 feet right and under the hole, and um, rolled that in. At like de- everything's going in dead center. It's not lipping <laughs> in; it's going in dead center. Um, actually, the putt on putt on 11 lipped in, but everything else going dead center. And then 14, which is like probably the easiest hole on the back nine to birdie. Yeah. Yeah. There was a bit of bit of thunder and stuff. That's when the storm started rolling a little bit. It was like into wind a bit. I've waited for them to clear the green. I've hit it front left of the side of the green, just chipping straight up it. And then I hit my pitch shot just about 10 feet under the hole. And then we got caught in. So there was a bit of an, it was probably like an hour wait. And then go back out. First part, I sort of just shoved it a little bit. And um, it was dead straight. It was a dead straight. Like couldn't get an easier putt. Ten footer, shoved it, missed it right. Um, so that was a bit dull. I, to... I didn't know that. I didn't know yeah. that you had a, you were in the middle of a heater, and then the the storm came through. I didn't know that you had even delay. Yeah, yeah. So I was, what was I? I was seven under through. Yeah. So there, there was a two storm delays, but I I only experienced one. Um, and then so yeah, first first shot going back out. We didn't get a warm up or anything. Just head straight back out. Was the putt. Really? And I, I missed that. So I was like, like in the past, you know, when you're on a heater, like, like you got all the momentum and you're on, and, and that was like a little bit of a dampener. Um, but, you know, I'm like, I just kept on telling myself, just use your experiences, you know, click back in, go through your process. 
And then next hole, slotted down the middle, wedged it 15 foot past, downhill left to right us, straight in the guts. That got me back on it. So that now I'm eight through 15. Uh, what's that? Fifth, 15, yeah. And then 16, par five, I hit my worst tee shot of the day, just blocked it a bit right into one of the bunkers. So I had to lay up. I couldn't go for it. And then um, laid up um, to a good number, hit an eight iron out, had a 93 meters or into wind, and it was just a smooth gap wedge um, and flied it in there to about four. That It didn't actually zip back. If it zipped back, it probably would have gone in. Um, like it was just straight at it. And um, it just stayed four feet, five feet, behind the hole and then just had a downhill straighty and rolled that in. So that now I'm nine through 16. Um, and then 17. Uh, that long it was five, yeah, it was a five iron I hit. Uh, I think I'm pretty sure it was a five iron. And I'm just trying to think what the wind was doing. It was maybe a bit into. Um, and I just, I just caught a bit high off the face and, it was on a good line and everything, just a bit high off the face. It was still kind of flush, but it, it come up just short. I was just short. So first green I've missed in uh, probably all day. Uh, like I, I, I missed <laughs> a couple of greens on that day, but like first green I missed in a while and then um, hit a chip shot out of the rough. It was a bit of a dicey lie, but hit it and it ran about five and a half, six feet past. And I had just a downhill right to lefter and it had a bit of break. You know, it's all speed and all that. And, that was where I was first part. I was really feeling it on in all honesty, because I knew how big it, it was and just hit it exactly on the line. Speed was perfect. Dead center. And, um, and then we had the little bit of a shuttle drive to the 18th. Cause it's obviously a big walk. Yeah. Huge um, walk. and I was just trying to calm myself down. Cause you know, I just wanted to, you know, I knew I was in a really, really good position. It's like, let's finish this out strong. And for me, the 18th hole is all tee shot for me personally because, um, yeah, like you tug it a bit left, it's in the crap and, and OB comes in pretty quickly on the right. Um, so just was, was zoned in on my target and absolutely middled it straight down the guts. And, yeah, middle of the fairway and I had 117 metres, 128 yards. And the wind was sort of, it was doing something funny. It was off. We we're looking at the flags in the distance and stuff. Like the wind was off, wind was off the right, sometimes helping. And then I'm just like, well, pins here. It's like, I'm going to get spin with this distance. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll try and fly it just a little bit past and um, I've, I've struck, struck it absolutely perfect. And it's just like, just a baby draw, just never leaving the pin. And then, like it's uh, it, it's hit the pin i didn't realize how high up it hit and it's obviously slam dunk like i've cheered like but i've hit the shot hit the pin my caddy's like have you hold it i'm like i think i have like we didn't know like we yeah, had that the video and, shows you guys and it doesn't really quite know if you you couldn't really tell no yeah no nah, so the pga tour media guys were up filming and they caught it obviously and um i mean that video went viral like you wouldn't believe which was um which you know got got me noticed by the world um and so they didn't know i was in and kurt who i was playing with his mum she was up there she sort of was like heard it hit but wasn't sure and like we're walking up and kaido he actually monday qualified as well the guy i was playing with he, his ball was to the right 
And then Kurt's ball was to the left. And I'm like, there's no ball. It can't be long because where that pin was, it's like it's hit the pin. It's not long. And there was no ball short, but there was no hole damage, not a single bit of hole damage from the slam dunk. So that's that's why I, I wasn't sure until I literally looked over in the hole that it was in, that it was in. And then obviously all the emote, like, like, and it's funny backstory, like my caddy, I was sort of saying to my caddy, like, I'm like, I'm going to go have to go out there and shoot like 61. Like in the lead up, a few days out, I'm going to have to go and shoot at 61. So uh, one of my caddy, Eric's mates, um, Nathan, he's ordered tightless golf balls with 61 on them. And <laughs> in the lead up, in the lead up, like he's like, yeah. boy, better do it. Boy, better do it. And then I've slam dunked and made 60. So that, that was a bit of the celebration as well. Like halfway through the celebration, it's just like, I've just shot 60, not 61. And that's what we're sort of half giggling about as well. Um, but like the fact that I shot 60 and obviously 11 under par, it's like I knew I was going to qualify. Like like I was a little, I, I, I was shocked that the scores at six under was second. You know, all the guys were on second at six under because – the conditions were that good. When I Mondayed last year, it got windy, and seven under was a score that missed out and qualified. Um, so I would have thought that would have, uh, like, in all honesty, I thought eight under was probably going to be the next best number, eight or nine potentially, because um, it was definitely out there. But like to obviously win the Monday qualifier by five, and but like yeah, like it was, it was pretty special. Like to do it there again, like a place where I've got so many memories and. Yeah. And like just to do, just to do it again, at like like it's it was just crazy, so surreal. Yeah, that you don't get to, a chance to do a walk off like that very often. Where it's just no, like, no, like like I'm I'm, I'm I'm like I'm under the pump. Like I'm a pretty calm, collected guy, and because that was over, I mean the fat lady was singing. That was me just going all out. Like that was like leaving it all out on the table. Because like I mean that's what I've worked my butt off for to. For moments like that to qualify for PGA Tour events, you know, top of the top, and that's where I want to be and play one of the world's best players. And like to do it like that, like you can obviously see how much it meant to me. And um, yeah, it, it was awesome. It really was. Well, that got you into the 3M and talk about. I I didn't really realize that you had to deal with the the rain delay stuff, you know, on the on the qualifiers as well. But you were playing pretty well at the 3M until it seemed like again you had one of those delays. And yeah. you can't really get going after that. Tell us a little bit about the just not you don't have to go into all these details, but just share us a little bit about the the 3M this year and in your experience and what you took away from yeah, it. Yeah, it it was awesome. I mean, um from the videos that went viral, I was well known amongst all the players. I I knew a few of the players. Um I know a few of them personally from past years and and amateur stuff and all that. So I I I want to say you know, I know a handful. Um uh, maybe a bit a bit more than a handful, but um, a lot of players and, and caddies and stuff from the video, and obviously I stand out with the yellow bucket hat. Congrats, mate, yesterday. Congrats on the 60. Awesome stuff. Like, just comments like that from, they like, a lot of, had a couple of caddies and players come out of their way to personally congratulate me and good luck for the week. Like, it was, it was actually a special week. Like, like I really didn't expect it. Um, and, um, yeah, the so there was that that part of it, and then round one like got it got off to a good start. I mean, it wasn't meant to be too windy in the afternoon, but the wind got up, and 
I'm pretty sure I had the best round in the afternoon going. Um, uh, when I, I was four under through 14, and then I bogeyed six, and then seven, I've slotted driver up the guts. I've wedged it on there to about 12 feet, and then they sounded the horn when we're up about to putt. Um, you could see the, the clouds getting a bit dirty, and then, yeah, they sounded it. So there was no they, – they just had come back in the morning, 8 a.m. restart. So um, – I, I mean, I obviously, you know, read the putt. It was a pretty straight putt that I had. And then, um, uh, you know, it was, it was a bit, I was, I really was striking it really, really good. And just in the zone, it would have been really good to finish out that round. Um, obviously from momentum side of the things. Uh, I mean, I've dealt with rain, rain delays in the past, but um, it was a kind of quick turnaround. So I went and did the, the little media stuff, which only took 15 minutes or so with the PGA Tour stuff. And then, um, it was kind of, by the time I went back, grabbed dinner, all that. Like, it was a quick turnaround. I had to get up early, go to the gym, and do all the stuff to get my body ready and all that for the next morning. Um, so I think I was up at like four thirty the next morning. But I woke up. I went to bed at probably nine, just after nine, quarter past nine, something like that. And I woke up at midnight, and I was just buzzing, like, like just the whole experience that, like. I, I purposely, you know, I shared what I needed to share on socials. And then I think just the whole viralness, like the fact that like, uh, well, after that round one, when I went back to my hotel, like I got recognized by, I wasn't even wearing the yellow bucket. I was in casual clothes and I got recognized in public by a couple of guys. And like, I'm just like, geez, like, like, like that's never happened to me before. Like just the whole experience was all new to me. Um, and yeah, you know, it was all just pure excitement. There was no real nerves or anything like like just the whole excitement factor that I've you know blown up. The world knows who I am. Like all these like, and I'm obviously playing well. Like 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 just that was one thing that just I just woke up in a buzz and couldn't get back to sleep for a couple of hours. And then so my sleep was a bit hey going. And then um then yeah, I was just I was just a little bit out of it and then just out of sync and. Um, yeah, just didn't hit it great on that Friday, unfortunately. Um, I started the restart. I, I lipped out my putt on seven and then hit a good shot into eight and then just missed that. And then nine, I just, I hit a good drive and just pretty much half shanked my second shot into the water. Like the, one of the very few holes where you just can't miss it right. And I hit it in the water and I made double there. So just didn't finish it. Like all that round that build up, which was good just to finish like that was a bit disheartening. And then I just didn't hit a great, I just got off to a bad start that round two. And um, it was just like little things as well. Like I wasn't getting the PGA tour emails at the time. And um, I, we were teeing up for like eight fifty seven, and I expected there to be a, just a little bit of a delay, but we literally played that two and a half hole stretch and, you know, 10 minutes and straight onto the tee. So there was yep. just like a little bit of, yeah, a little bit of like communication things that I wasn't in the emails. I mean, that's a bit my fault, but um, just little things you learn from, like make sure I get that. So I know that we're actually like, I just didn't know what was happening a little bit. It was just a new experience for me. Um, and, and yeah, that probably threw me out a little bit mentally, but, um, but yeah, I mean, I just, just didn't have my A game on that Friday and I grinded out all the way to the end, but um 
but yeah, just just didn't hit it anywhere near as good um, as I did in round one. Well, that sounds like golf. That's what golf is, right? Um, I, I was going to say, yeah. well, you know, it sounds like you experience what we call here at Minnesota nice, the people welcoming you and, and, you know, it's kind of what, what this, uh, this area is known for. Just, you know, we really like our, our, we really enjoy a good story. We, you know, we enjoy good golf, obviously. Um, so I'm glad that you had a, a great experience and hopefully you come back, uh, keep coming back. And, and speaking of, you know, solid play um you had just got uh another win on the on the tour of australia and i think reading back i think you had won uh, maybe like what five years ago was your first win yeah yeah so it had yep. been kind of a little hiatus there where where you you finally got to get back in that winter circle and you took all this positive you know vibes and, and things that you had and experienced over here brought it back home and you end up winning um I think the tournament is called the Taylor Made Building Services, something or other, right? Championship. Yeah, yeah. No, Northern Territory PGA Championship. Yep. Yep. And you went uh, 65 again, getting off to heater 68. Moving day, you kind of went a little bit backwards, and then you just closed the door again on an amazing Sunday with a 65 again to get another win. And and we all know when we play golf, and this is just amateurs as well. When you play in anything, if you if you get a, a win, it's it's they're not easy and um it sounds like you had a great week uh and your in your play was um pretty much Harold that you won I think ended up winning you were 14 under on the week um I think everybody yep. second was you know 10, 10 under something like that yeah you obviously played really really well so let you know I I just want to hear a little bit about your your week um you know winning again that feeling of winning you know it's not you're you're, you're feeling good about there's rounds that you felt good about playing but when you put four rounds together, you walk away with that trophy, by the way, we're going to talk about, because that trophy is looks like something else. I want to know where you put that. Um, and just, yeah, tell us what it feels like. Yeah, um, so I only got back from America on Sunday, the week, uh, the week of the event. So um, I've spent a day and a half at home in Sydney, and then um, I flew up to Darwin. It's had a couple of flights. It was a... It was a kind of big travel day you know I just obviously a couple big flights from Chicago then LA and then I was back onto another couple more flights so my body was a, a little sore and tired and I was obviously a little jet lag but um yeah I um headed up there and um got off to ideal start I actually felt really good like obviously from the 3M experience and playing PJ Tour event at the highest level and you know mixing it with the best players in the world um, like playing the Aussie tour stuff, like it just—it it definitely is like a step down. But like I felt like I was taking that extra stride of confidence from what I just gained, and you know, learnt from things that I learnt. So I, I felt really good. Um, I just had to get my body and mind right. Come round one, and then yeah, shot six under round one, sixty-five, and was leading by one. It was a perfect start. Um. And then got out of the gates well, and then second round got off to a solid one, and then, um, yeah, just put together a, a nice sixty-eight there, and was leading by one again, and um, and then I'm just trying to think. Then the third round I struggled. It was the way I sort of played in that third round was very similar to the Friday of three M, and I drew back on that experience and. Um, you know, the swing was just a little out of sync, but yeah, I 
it's like as as we were talking about earlier, you know, like I know what I need to do in my swing at times and you know, I'm I'm piecing it together. On days where I struggle, I am piecing it together better and knowing what I need to do to obviously hit those good shots. And um I just had a I had a double bogey and then a bogey on the ninth and outside of that I'm at a bunch of parts. Like it's like I was scrambling for them on the front nine, but back nine I was giving myself looks bunch of pars but just no birdies were dropping it was it was a bit frustrating and then i just my main goal was to finish out the round strong so i birdied two of my last four holes and then on the last hole i ran my 45 footer like seven foot pass and then i drained that seven foot to coming back and that was a big momentum putt going into sunday because i could see the leaderboards right there it's like i'm only two shots back like if you're two shots back going into sunday you're in with a big chance if you're three shots back you know, your chances slide a little bit. But um, made that putt, I actually felt like I was riding momentum. Um, I mean, I wasn't sleeping on lead. I, I mean, I, I got good night's rest on when I was leading. Like, I feel comfortable leading. But when you're leading, obviously, going into the final round, like, you know, you probably don't get a, as a good night's sleep when you come in tied six and a couple of shots back. So um, I got a good night's sleep. I woke up refreshed and... Um, yeah, I was ready. I, 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 in all honesty, I had similar feels to I had, like my mindset was, I reflected back on that three M Monday. You know, I've got one day. Go do what you have to do, and it's going to be enough. And um, I felt good. I was striping it. I was, I was doing everything really good, and I pieced together that round pretty much exactly the way I needed to and I played all the hard holes really well hit the shots I needed to and it was a tricky day like the Saturday was really windy Sunday was really windy uh, kind of exactly same conditions as as the Saturday but the wind sort of died off a little bit as Sunday progressed and um but yeah like I just I just golfed my ball so well on that Sunday and I, I was surprised that I ran away with it like I would have thought it would have been a bit more bunched early but, um, I mean, that just shows how the conditions were. Like, everyone just struggled out of the gates, and I got off to a heater and um, kept it going. And, I mean, to finally get that second win, like, I think I've had four, runner, four runners up in the meantime from my first win in 2018. Um, at least four, if not five. And then, and then a couple of, like, four, or like a fourth and like top five, you know, I mean, a couple of top fives, a few top tens. Like I've been close many times, but it's just like, oh, I just hadn't got that win. And um, yeah, like to finally just piece it together the way I did and just run away with it, it. It's awesome. Like, like I feel like, like, as I said in my Instagram post, like the little quote, it's like, if you win once, it's it, uh, win once, it might be a fluke. And like win twice, it ain't no fluke. Yeah. Like, I felt like I felt like well I run in my third official start I guess when I was a rookie, and then I hadn't won since. Like I wanted to prove it wasn't no fluke. Obviously my my game, I had results to prove it wasn't a fluke. But you know, to I, I felt like I had that chip on my shoulder. I wanted to finally get that second win and to finally do that. Like you know, hopefully the floodgates open. Like um, I, I I hope it's it's a bit shorter than five years before my next win but um yeah that's the game of golf like you never know like 
you know, I could rock up to my next start at the WA Open and and get get a win there potentially. Like, um, like who knows? Like, just got to keep chipping away at it, and that's the beauty of the game. And um, and yeah, just keep striving towards you know my personal success. Did you allow yourself to get the the winning feeling maybe as you fit the green on eighteen or whatever, walking up, or was it like ultra focus, get my ball in the hole, and then I can start kind of because you had a little bit of shot lead right you had a little bit of a buffer there was it yeah so we so i didn't know where i stood exactly i knew i was definitely leading so they do three hole scoring and um the group behind was the guy that finished second and i didn't know what he'd done on 16 i saw he drove it just short of the green on 17 so i've birdied 16 17 to get the 15 under par and then he was 11 under par with three holes to go and then I played, I played it safe, so I didn't rack up a number on to the fat side of the green. And then I three putted from like forty five feet. I missed like a three and a half footer for par. If I made that three and a half footer, I knew I definitely would have won. Okay, so and then, good. yeah, and then tapped that in, and then, yeah, I, it was just like a bit of a waiting game. And then someone told me he bogeyed sixteen behind. So he would have gone back to ten. And it's like he has to finish eagle eagle, and I know he did. I know he definitely didn't eagle seventeen because there were no roars. And um, so I knew I'd won when I heard that comment, and then just soaked it all up. Like it, it really didn't hit me to the next morning. In all honesty, like obviously I had the trophy, did all the photos, all that speeches. Um, you know, like my host I was staying with. You know, it's like I'm the champion. Like. Yeah. Like the next morning I was on the back page of the newspaper. I was, um, and it really did hit me, you know, waking up next to the trophy and, and just, it's like, yeah, we did something special. Like really did, which was awesome. For those that don't know what the trophy, like it's like a, a big giant, like gator. Is it, what is it made out of? Uh, saltwater crocodile. <laughs> okay. Saltwater. Yeah. Saltwater. We, 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 we got we got, we got crocodiles here. We, we we got no gators in Australia. Okay, there you go. That's that's how much I know about Australia. <laughs> but we yeah, saw but, so um, what is it made out of? It looks like it's almost like wood or something. Uh, so the, that actual trophy. So like the frame, like it's sitting on wood, and you lift it up and all that. But the um the that actual head that I'm holding, that's a real saltwater crocodile head. What? It's like um yeah yeah that's a real a real head um so wow. like it's got a little thing yeah so i don't get to keep the big trophy that stays at the golf club okay. I, I get a smaller version which is like a freshwater croc head but it's it's a, still a real crocodile head um which is pretty cool like it's so unique like like so in that region in, in the waters and stuff in darwin like um like there's saltwater crocs everywhere like like that's that's i guess that's the whole reason the trophy's a bit of a crocodile, you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's pretty cool. It's so unique. That's really cool. Where, where did you put the trophy? You got it somewhere in your place? Uh, at, the, at the moment, yeah, at the moment, it's it's downstairs. I, I'm going to have to work out where I'm going to put it in my little trophy case. Um, I'll, I'll hang it up. Like, I, I, think, I think I might get a um, – when I won in Papua New Guinea, I got a kind of like a what do you, what do you call it? Like a framed a framed thing of like it had a photo of me and my scorecards around it from the PGA. So 
I might get that. That one's downstairs from PNG, but I might get that sent to me as well. So I'll I'll work something out. It'll definitely hang up in the room somewhere. Um, does, did that win? Yeah, we're almost done. I just thought I was just curious if that one that win gets you any sort of special status anyway, shape or form. Uh, so in Australia, I get I pretty much get three years exemption. So I get the rest of this season and then two years on top of that. Um, so I was already exempt fully this year because uh, I finished 16th on the order of merit. So I was going to still get a start in like the Australian Open and all that, which are DP events, our big events and all that. But um, it sort of frees me up. Like, uh, So, yeah, like next year, like I don't even have to – I mean, I will play events, but I don't even have to play an event and worry about losing my card, if you know what I mean, which is awesome to have that flexibility um, and – yeah, so I get that. I won point. Uh, so I won a, we're a points system now in Australia. I won 190 points. So I'm leading the order of merit at the moment, but it's it's early days. We got we got a bunch of events coming up, and um, our big events is where all the points are issued out. Um, like in the majority. So um, I mean, if I finish high up on the order of merit, there's some opportunities for overseas stuff from that, and. That's that's going to be my my big goal now. I'm in a good. I've started this season well, and just to keep continuing that. Cool. So that's kind of your plans moving forward. You're going to try to take that and you know maybe play a little bit more over here and and see what you can do. Yeah, yeah. That's sort of the plan. That's sort of the plan. Awesome. Well, I I can say this. Um, you know, I appreciate your time. You know, you had a lot of intel there. There's a lot of stories. Um. You know, I even had a buddy that, I don't know if you remember this at all, but I had a buddy that played with you on the Saturday at Royal Golf Club. He was in your group. Um, his name is Brian. Oh, yeah, yeah. Good dude. And and uh, so I'm glad that we could connect. I'm glad that you could share your story, which has so much yet to be written. Um, and we look forward to following you. And, you know, from from afar sometimes, and hopefully you come back to Minnesota next year, we can come out and, and support you and watch you. So we'll be cheering you on every bit of the way. No, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, Jeff. And um, yeah, it's. I have, to, I have to end it with the cheers made on this one. So, so cheers, cheers, mate. <laughs> so, thanks for being on. And uh, yeah, have a great uh, rest of the golf season. And uh, we'll, we'll check in with you soon. Perfect. Thanks, mate. Be today's the day I break 80. Want the ball to draw, but it keeps on fading. No OB and no bogeys. I gotta keep it on the 80. It's the gold chain. you hit it on one. Straight up the gut, baby. Now I got a wedge on my short game cravings. Little bit of edge on the sport makes gravy. So punch out the rough and tune to break 80. Break 80. Break 80. Break 80.